All men are weak, said Finn. That's the whole bloody trouble with the world. Too weak to love properly, too weak to be wrong. Lisa Jewell, The Family Upstairs. That's a good one. I'm Kayla. That was Brandy. This is Two Bitches Reading Books. Gotta love Finn. He's, Finn. <laughs> He's a cynic. He's a yeah. little cynic. Man, I just can't believe how this book ended. I, I know. Mean, I feel like I guess a lot of things, right? But like, I didn't expect her to try to give us a happy ending at the end. I thought it was going to be nonstop anxiety and the book was just going to end with like, people are shitty. Nothing that's is what, good. <laughs> that's what I thought too. My anxiety was on edge as I was reading. I was like, okay, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Where's the turn? What's Henry going to do? Henry's going to do something. Right, exactly. And I mean, he kind of like hints at doing something, but I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be way more fucked up. Like, I thought he was going to steal somebody's money. Like, I just, I was really, the last that's 10 thought, pages of reading. That's why when she kept refreshing her bank, I was like, oh, I bet Henry. He did something. He logged into her bank. He signed her up for a new bank account. He did something when he yes. had her phone. Oh, man. I'm glad I wasn't alone. Yeah. So we had anxiety regardless of the last 10 pages not needing anxiety. That's just what she had us geared up for in the 330 pages before that. Yep. <laughs> so we started this section of reading in part three on chapter 49. And it starts with Libby. Of course it does because it ended with Lucy and supposedly Finn bumping into each other. So, of course, we're not going to meet Lucy or Henry at the beginning of part three. We're going to be with Libby wondering what the fuck is going on and who did Lucy just run into. Libby is in a hotel room with Miller. They uh, went to go see, they're on their way to see Sally. They got to know each other pretty well also on this little journey. They even talked like about his ex-wife and stuff and whether or not she's single. Wiggly eyebrows. Ooh. And they like are meeting down in the lobby of this hotel that they're at. They're on their way to go <sighs> ambush Sally, basically. And she's like observing how Miller looks all rumpled and he hasn't like showered and she thinks he looks cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Libby. Oh dear. I just want to bring it back to when Libby uh told us what her dream man looked like yeah do you remember all her standards all her planning so funny (laughs) it is so funny so anyway they're going to meet up with sally who is uh david thompson's ex-wife and when we left off in our last reading i was under the impression that miller had called sally and like made an appointment with them but no i was too ambushing him or ambushing her who did he call Maybe he called her office. Just to confirm that she existed and that it was a yeah. real place, maybe? Man. Yeah, that's what I think. That sounds like exactly what investigative journalists do in, like, because they have to, because people don't want to talk about shit. Yeah. Anyway, Sally's not happy when they get there. And they, like, end up talking to her receptionist before they even meet her. And they're like, hmm, she looks like Sally, but she's really young. So it can't be clemency. Yeah. So, very interesting. But they end up getting back with her, like, saying they need an emergency appointment. And she doesn't really want to get involved. Like, she confirms her identity, but she's just like, my kid went through a lot of shit. She doesn't want to talk to you. I don't want you to talk to her. 
like bad shit happened at the house and she's still traumatized from it. And she knows Libby is the baby. Mm-hmm. Even though she never met him, met her, which yep. we find out more about Libby's genetics coming. The reason she's called the baby is because we don't know whose fucking baby she is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so poor thing. Like she, we really don't dive into like Libby too much. I feel like most of these, the drama is coming from like what happened back in the day, but gosh, dang the emotions you have to be going through. Like, you know that you don't know your family, but like, just having the illusion shattered probably sucks. Yeah. yeah. And this is like, she really thought she had like a nice, wealthy family. And she did. She she had a nice upper class family for a while. But man, she learned so much crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So that ends that chapter. Uh, Sally's just telling them, absolutely, you cannot talk to Clemency. Miller doesn't give a fuck what she says. He's a journalist. He's going to do his job, but... <laughs> We end that chapter and we go to chapter 50 with Henry back in 1992. He's just talking about how his mom was not okay after that ordeal of losing the last baby. And David basically just like dumped her. He says she has to find her own path. Like she didn't need to find her own path when you were trying to bone her, David. She's such a, he's such a fucking tool. Yeah. It's disgusting. Henry really wants to help her. He feels like she could get some help outside of the house, but Henry's like, or not Henry, but David is like, absolutely fucking not. And on page 257, David beats the shit out of Henry. He like, he, there's no other way to say it. He think, I think he hits him three total times, but he's like mm-hmm. bleeding and throwing him across the room by the end. But Henry All never backs down. No, Henry doesn't. And the only reason why he beats him is because Henry's like, you're basically a piece of shit. You're not yeah. helping my family. You're supposed to be here to help them, and you're not. Yeah. The first thing that Henry says that sets him off is just that he thinks his mom would get help outside of the house if they weren't trapped in there. And David's like, absolutely fucking not, and smacks the shit out of him. Poor Henry. Uh, he's very brave, and you really get your first inkling here that Henry is not made of soft stuff mm-hmm. like he thought he was up to this point. Yeah. He tries to run out the front door on page 258. He wants to, like, try to flag down somebody and tell them that they're, like, trapped in this house with these crazy people. And then he finds out the front door's locked. He's locked in. David says some dumb shit, like, the door is locked. It's not the same. So Uh, I was confused here. It's locked from the outside in? It seems like it. Okay, okay. Because I know when they lock the kids in their room for isolation, it's locked from the outside in. Right. Because, like, the door is locked. If it's locked on the inside, Henry could have just thrown the fucking lock. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's just locked on the inside and Henry's just too panicked to even try to throw the lock. And David is, like, really just telling him the door is just locked. But I don't know. He's done so much crazy shit to this point. Why would they have doors they would be able to open normally on the outside of the house? True. So Henry goes into isolation and Henry's like, you're just going to lock me up for telling you how I feel, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. The isolation is the punishment for uh, speaking words. He loses his shit in this isolation. He feels like some sort of rage demon grew inside of him during this week of isolation. And it's the beginning of the end for the entire family. Mm Mm-hmm. He notices everybody's acting kind of weird when he gets out. 
just weirder than usual, like something's going on. Andy notices that Finn looks really sick. At this point, I'm like, what if Finn is the extra dead body? Like, what if Finn accidentally died? That was just a random errant thought that I had that I uh, wrote down for some reason. Well, I mean, the way she describes it. Yeah, he's, he's on his deathbed. And Birdie says Finn is absolutely fine. He just needs more exercise. They try to exercise the death out of him on the exercise machine that the cops thought was like a torture device. Like, okay, yes, that's exactly what he needs, Birdie. I think that the reason Birdie couldn't have children is because God was like, you shouldn't have children. You know, I think it was probably a message from maybe not even God. I don't necessarily believe in him, but some sort of person, some higher power was like, Birdie shouldn't be having children. That's what I think too. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Or maybe Justin knew and he would like create herbs that made her infertile. Oh, maybe he did make her infertile. Justin was kind of like a quiet hero. Yeah. On page 260, the bottom half is just Henry describing that David and Bernie are basically energy vampires sucking the souls out of everyone in the house. Everybody looks like they're like withering away, but David and Bernie are like the picture of health. And they're con- he's confused. Yeah. And he, he just fucking hates David. He is mentioning at the bottom of page 260 and the top of 261 the money again. And at the end of 261, he's wondering where the money is. And I'm like, okay, well, he intends to get to David's stash. Mm-hmm. And he has nothing to lose. So why not? I was assuming at this point that he used that money to buy the van, but ha, ha, not, not, not at all. So that ends chapter 50, and then we're in chapter 51, back in Ugh. Chelsea with Henry in 1992, and, and we find out Lucy's pregnant. Lucy is pregnant. We don't specifically know that her name is Lucy yet, but we know that this is his sister. Mm-hmm. She's 14. She's 14 years old, and she is carrying, supposedly, David's child. She's she's like proud of it. She's happy to be having this baby at this point. It, it, it's just still that's rape. He's 40. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking, too, because I was like, oh, like, thankfully, Lisa didn't go into the all the nitty gritty details. And I was like, she might not think it's sexual assault, but it, it is because she's 14. Yeah. And I think like they address it. The fact that it is sexual assault after all the shit goes down and they're trying to think about what to tell the police. Mm-hmm. Henry's even like, I don't care that it, you thought it was consensual. That's statutory rape. Yeah. But my God. Disgusting. The Reading this page was so hard. But then Henry like just puts two and two together that the reason David is trying so hard to get one of these lamb women pregnant is because he wants the fucking house and the only way that he makes sure he has a stake in the house is if one of his children has a stake in the house mm-hmm. so that's pretty astute for like a 13 14 how old is henry at this point 15 he's 15 or 16 i think that's pretty astute for a man period <laughs> but yeah he takes action he immediately like goes into his dad's room the next day to find out where the will is because obviously he knows that's what's going to make sure David doesn't get the house and his dad kind of helps out he can't talk but he like blinks 
affirmatively when Henry asks questions and Henry figures out that the will is in David's room and David's room is kind of an off limit place. It's locked up. He's got all of his keys locked up. Henry doesn't necessarily know where the keys even are right now. So he gets into Justin's spell book and finds a spell for temporary stupefaction. And he's brewing the shit out of this potion. <laughs> it makes me laugh because at the end he calls himself an apothecary and not a wizard. But Henry, you're making a potion from a spell book. You're yeah. a wizard. <laughs> yeah. Also at this point, I'm thinking Finn, quote unquote Finn with Libby could have definitely been Henry because they got drugged. They got oh, temporarily yeah. stupefied. Oh, they? yeah. Yeah, they did. And he would have had a little more time to perfect his dosage Mm -hmm. or like find some different herbs to use because obviously if he was into this herbal shit back then, he's probably even better at it decades later. Yeah, after years of practice. Yeah, so this was just another clue for me that Finn was Henry. So the tea works. Um, And like luckily this whole time, Henry has been like planting the seeds that he is like this gardener and he's trying to provide for the family and the adults love it when he like makes some tea and he tells them like, this is going to be a really relaxing tea for you. Don't worry if it's bitter. It's just some of the raspberries or whatever, but Bertie and David think it's delicious. They drink it down and they start passing out. He has to like help them get to the room. And this is where he finds out where David's hiding the keys he's got a fanny pack under his tunic where he keeps all the keys and this made me think about how like women's clothing didn't have pockets until like whatever point and some people think it's so that people could see what you were carrying on you so you Hmm. couldn't be carrying any like magical shit or like weapons you know so you'd be easier to like essay probably but yeah neither here nor there that made me think that they had to change their clothes so they could always see what was on them at all time just another form of control beyond just the uniform you know because there's no pockets that's weird very weird and even david finds the need for pockets and he hides the fact that he has pockets so just another layer of the control he is definitely a cult leader that's for sure yeah and they pass out of the bed and he's in. He didn't think it was going to be this easy, but there he is. And he finds all kinds of loot in their room. It's candy, everything, alcohol, shoes, all kinds of biscuits. There's an empty candy bar wrapper, some silky underwear, some fancy shampoo. And he finds his old pencil case. He decides to keep that for himself. And he found his, their passports. Yep. His is expired, unfortunately. His sister still has one. These don't really come back into play, though. The only thing he risks taking are his pencil case and the will. And then he gets the fuck out. Because Did he take some money, to too? Was it? Oh, yeah. Because he found the stash of money. He only took a grand. No, he actually only thinks it's a grand. He only takes oh. a few 10-pound notes, though. He, he says a 1,000, I estimated. Maybe more. I pulled a few 10-pound notes from the top of the pile and folded them into the paperwork. He thinks it's only a 1,000 at this point, but it's a fucking lot more. Yeah. And uh, this, this chapter, like, had my heart pounding because David's a psycho. And yeah. If he, if he caught Henry in there, he would have fucking known Right, Henry would have died. Him. Oh, yeah. for sure. He would have got locked in his room and never let back out. He mm-hmm. can't even bear David a child, so he's of no use. He's got a little bit of money, just like 20, 30 bucks. 
pencil case and the wills. I was thinking at this point that these pencils are what he used to write I am Finn everywhere. Mm, yeah. So, because I imagine they didn't have pencils, they're not going to school anymore. No. Anyway, that ends that chapter. Henry's fucking crazy. He's very brave and he's willing to get shit done when he needs to. And that's all things that we got to remember when we find out what comes next. I also wonder, like, why did David keep, like, the random things like uh, Lucy's tutu or the pencil case and, like, those random things? Because if it were me and I was taking over someone's house, I wouldn't want their kid's shit. Right. Maybe it was just the control or maybe those were things that didn't have any value and they weren't able to sell them off and they were just sitting there because... Oh, maybe. But they did have a ton of random shit in there and that just made me feel like they felt like every little trinket they get is another piece of power they have over the family and the other people who don't have it. Like when you're in jail and you trade cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. Or you'll pay $500 for a 12-inch TV. So we're in chapter 52. We're with Lucy. Uh, finally finding out her reaction to bumping into Finn. And he's, like, talking to the dog and, like, toying with Lucy. Like, he knows her. Obviously, he said her name. But he won't tell her who she who he is. He makes her guess. And she's just, like, staring at him. And he's, like, like assessing his eyelashes. And she's like, Finn, this is Finn. But then she looks at his hands. And they're small and delicate with narrow wrists. <laughs> She says, <laughs> you got baby wrists, Henry. I know that's you. And she says, you're Henry, aren't you? <laughs> and then we end that there. Yeah. And I was like, I was fucking right. I, yeah. I thought about actually recording a reel or something right there. But I didn't know how far you'd gotten in the reading at that point, And I didn't want to spoil anything. <laughs> Gosh, where was I? Oh, I think I read that on Sunday. Yeah. I, you, I realized you were ahead of me. Because this book is just so good. It, it was. She's a good writer. I, she I can't is. lie. And I could guess a lot of things, but lots of things I couldn't guess. Mm-hmm. So, well, I and like then that. I was I was talking to Shantae, who's also reading this book, and she's like, "Oh, I'm on chapter forty nine. and then she like guessed the rest of the book, and I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> <laughs> but that's half the fun of reading, though. Like sometimes you miss the clues, but sometimes you find the fucking clues. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I miss a lot more clues when I'm just reading for fun and not for the podcast and like taking notes, talking about it and taking notes helps me remember so much more. Ah, so. and, then it, and then when we do, when we record, you're thinking about it again. And you're like, oh, wait, no, this. Yes. I get it. Exactly. That's why police have to go back and look at their old notes when they're in an investigation. Okay. Maybe you should let them know that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe we'll try to squeeze that into their ample 850 hours of police academy training. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Isn't that it's 850 hours? God, that's not enough. That's. Isn't that how much you need to cut hair or do you need more to cut hair? I think you need more. I think you need like a thousand hours or something. I think the whole shebang takes like a few months. And did you know that most police academies, their instructors don't have to have any sort of education or background? Nice. Um, anyway. Those are so protected. <laughs> it's great. I've really gotten off on a tangent here. <laughs> We're in chapter 53 and there are no police here. <laughs> no. Henry goes to his mom and is like, you let your daughter have sex with him. You're sick. She doesn't care. She's fully 
fucking brainwashed. She says, it has nothing to do with me. All I know is that a baby is coming and we should all be very happy. Oh, so brainwashed. That's so disgusting. Yeah. We find out that somebody had come to, like, try to figure out what was going on. His uncle Carl came every day for, like, a week after the baby died. That last baby that Henry didn't actually kill, but he thought he did. Mm-hmm. And he would bang on the door for like half an hour. And nobody would let him in. And when Henry asked his mom, why not? She just said, he wouldn't understand the way we choose to live. You're right. I don't think that this man would understand why his niece is supposedly pregnant with a 40 year old man's child. I'm sure he would have some questions as would the police. Mm-hmm. We Ugh. learned that they get their vegetables dropped off. The delivery person went at when all the, the suicides murder happened and he was questioned. He said he thought it was a nunnery because it was only women, but he had no idea children were in the house. Yeah. He's delivering groceries weekly and these guys are so isolated. He never noticed anybody else in the house. That's crazy. You can tell when kids live at a house. Ma'am. Yeah. You ever been around kids? They are messy. Just come over. <laughs> come on over. The last line of, like, this little chunk on page 271 is Henry talking about how he's not going to be angry with Finn anymore. He's still claiming that Finn pushed him into the river, which, yes, I guess he did. But, like, what? We, yeah, what led up to it. Yeah. But he's like, I was in love with him. And when you'll, you're in love, you'll forgive almost anything. Henry, what are you forgiving from Ben? He didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> he, he stopped you from doing something to him without consent. And then fought back when you were aggressive to him. Anyways, he says, I always fall in love with people who hate me. Like, he is a, such a narcissist, isn't he? He is. Oh, my God. Like, none of this was Finn's fault. No. No, now that we know more. Anyway, we go on into this chapter with Henry and Clemency making a little alliance. Um, he ends up telling Clemency, like, all the shit he found in the room. He's asking her if her father's ever, like, gotten somebody else pregnant before. She says no, but I feel like eventually she says he's done some similar shit. Mm-hmm. And... He finds out here that Bertie and Martina acted as witnesses to David adding, like, a caveat to the will. And while it is probably not going to hold up in court, like, that's fucking gross. What a gross inviolate. Like, what a gross violation of somebody's trust to, like, still their will, their last will and testament and add your own paragraph to it. Basically saying that. David and his descendants get the house if anything happens to Henry's parents. As if they don't have their own fucking kids. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Henry's more convinced than ever that he's having this baby to secure his stake in the house. That's when Clemency, Clemency is like, he has done this before. That's why we got kicked out of our last, last house. He did this exact same fucking shit. Henry has made some decisions. He knows what he's going to do. And older Henry thinks that maybe he made some mistakes, but... What can you do now? Nothing. And that's how that chapter ends with young Henry formulating what older Henry thinks is a very regrettable plan. Now we're back with Libby and Miller. They have already left Sally's office and Miller uh, tells Libby that he knows where Clemency is. 
Yeah, he <laughs> he's an investigative journalist, as we've discussed. And while he was in the office, he just noticed that Lola had a letter in her purse. He took a picture of the address on it because it was kind of sticking out. And the reason he assumes that Lola lives with Clemency is because she had something on her desk that said, love you, grandma. No, no, no. Sally had a picture with a young girl with blonde hair and a drawing framed on the wall saying, I love you, grandma. Anyway, he put it all together, snapped that picture. He's very fucking clever. And I imagine that in real life, this is what investigative journalism is. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm tickled. Also, Tara's like, I never want to be investigated by a journalist. Yeah, same. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I was wondering too. I was like, wow, he's really good. We also, I skipped completely over it, learned that Libby, her mother is crazy. Her mother isn't, maternal yes (laughs) it seems like her dad was the maternal one but her dad died when she was young eight was it Mm -hmm. and her mom just has been flaky ever since then and that's why Libby is so obsessed with planning and having everything like she needs to have a plan because if she doesn't have a plan she's not going to get picked up from school she's not going to make it to the field trips because her mom was just going to go off on vacation or whatever and forget that Libby existed sometimes And Libby loves her mom while respecting the fact that her mom's never going to be somebody that she can rely on. So that's why she thinks she needs like this man who's going to do this, 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 and this. Like she needs all these people to meet up to her, live up to her expectations. You know, I kind of feel bad for her, but luckily she comes around by the end of the book. Yeah. And now they go and visit Clemency. Oh yeah. (sighs) They like knock on the door Clemency ends up opening the door. Miller confirms that it's her. He introduces himself, introduces Libby as Libby. Clemency is like Serenity. Well, at first he says, my name is Miller Rowe, and this is Libby Jones. And then she looks at Libby and is like, you look like I should know you. And then he says, this is Serenity. And I feel like that's kind of a stupid name, too. But anyway. Well, they were named in a cult. Yeah, true. I haven't really liked the name Serenity since we learned it at first. Like, of course they named the new baby Serenity. Yeah. I'm sure that Lucy and the actual father would not have done that. Yeah, that's true. The actual father probably wouldn't have given a shit. He would have been like, let's just name it baby. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So. He was dying anyway. Exactly. Clemency, I kind of feel bad for her because she's like not technically involved in any of this and it's just showing up at her front door like this is exactly what I'm afraid of I'm not afraid somebody's going to be investigating me for shit that I'm doing I'm afraid they're going to show up to ask me questions about somebody I knew randomly 10 years ago that they did some weird shit (laughs) that's how it goes oh man so Clemency seems excited and she like invites them in And I'm really surprised because her mom acted like this is the last thing that Clemency would ever fucking want. And then Clemency just, like, welcomes them in with open arms. Yeah, exactly. She's just, like, talking about how Libby's so pretty and it's so weird how she's, like, an adult. She never really knew where she went. They're just, you know, chatting, catching up, uh, I guess, is what you could call it if you're just meeting somebody that you only knew as a 10-month-old after 25 years. Yeah. Libby eventually mentions Finn and Clemency is like shocked and she's like are you sure are you sure it was Finn and 
Libby's like, well, he told us that was his name. He said you were his sister, that he hadn't seen you or your mother for years. And Clementine's confused because she and her mom assumed that Finn died. Because the last time either, the last time Clemency saw him, he looked like he was fucking dying in that house. And since he never showed up on her and her mom's doorstep, they just assumed he died. And then Libby starts talking about, like, describing Finn, his apartment, the cats, the dick joke. That's when Clemency's like, that doesn't sound like Finn, but it sounds like Henry. And then he goes on to talk about how he was totally in love with Finn. And, oh my god, like, this, the last two paragraphs of this page, 280, he was in love with Finn, totally unrequited, obsessed almost. He would just stare and stare at him, copy his hairstyles, even tried to kill him once, pushed him in the river. Held him under. Luckily, Finn was stronger than Henry. Bigger. He managed to fight him off. Henry killed Bertie's cat, you know. Poisoned her. Cut off her tail. Threw the rest of her body into the river. Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Henry did all this because Henry's been talking to me for 200 pages. And he didn't mention any of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel betrayed. I have been enjoying Henry's point of view this whole time. He's been my favorite character. I love how sassy he is. I love how he's the only one being like, this is a fucking cult. But now he's a cat killer, a cat dismemberer. We're learning maybe he is a different type of cult leader. Like we knew he was crazy, but I thought it was like person backed into a corner crazy. But no, maybe it was just a little, a little of that sprinkled with a little uh, Dahmer style crazy. Yep. And we go into chapter 55 where Henry rebuts, reboots, whatever Clemency just said. And he goes, I did not kill Bertie's cat. What he actually did was tested some herbs on the cat, something to make it pass out, and it ended up killing it. And then he said he did cut the tail off, but that's because the cat didn't need the tail anymore. And it was so beautiful, and they didn't have anything (laughs) that beautiful. So he went on, he said, I did not kill Birdie's cat. And then went on to describe how he killed it and dismembered it. <laughs> because, like, just because your intention wasn't killing it, the act of you giving it your temporary stupefaction potion killed it. Yeah. Intentional or not, your action killed it, Henry. I'm sorry. And then you cut its tail off. There was blood involved in that. I know it because that's a part of its body. And then he goes, when you put it like that, cut her tail off. I took it. <laughs> <laughs> took it from her body where it was attached before you took it so how did you take it off oh my gosh and then we hear the real river story he he says as for it being me who pushed finn into the river well that is categorically not true what might be true is that finn pushed me in during a struggle that ensued after i attempted to push him in yes that might have been the case oh my gosh so We basically learn here that he wasn't just staring at Finn when Finn asked him to stop staring. He, like, told Finn he was beautiful, and Finn was like, you're being weird, and... Henry Henry confessed his love for him. Yeah, and Finn's, like, embarrassed, and now I'm like, okay, uh, I don't think Finn... Maybe maybe he just doesn't like Henry, but maybe he's like not gay at all, Henry. And maybe you should have confirmed before you went forward with this. And he just keeps going on. Please, Finn, please. I've loved you since the minute I saw you. And then he kissed him for a second. And Finn pushed him. Well, no, that's not even what happened. He kissed him for a minute. And then Finn like pulled back. Then he pushed him. 
And when Henry nearly fell backward, he pushed him back. And then they had a little struggle, like a little pushing match. Henry ends this chapter talking about how much, how like bad he feels or how bad it is that I don't even think he has remorse. I don't think he's capable of that, but how bad it is that he chose to blame the whole thing on Finn and let him be in trouble, let him be grounded all because he didn't want to tell anybody that he kissed him. But like, can we just back it up one step further, Henry? You're not allowed to kiss people without consent. That's that's not okay. You no. deserve to be pushed in the river. And Gross. you should have stopped when he said stop. Yeah, that's like, and then to ruin his fucking life after that, like, mm-hmm. my lanta. But that ends that chapter. We're still with Henry in the next chapter. It's 1993 now, in the middle of June. The new baby's being born. Libby's being born. Serenity Love Lamb is her name. So right I here. like that he, uh, how he describes it. I heard my sister moo. Yeah. <laughs> beginning to move she sounded entirely like a cow they had no intention of ever taking this girl to a hospital they had a spare room ready for the birth and stuff the baby comes out she's healthy and almost immediately they lock lucy back into her room and only take her out to milk her she was literally an incubator and now she's just a dairy cow and i think lucy probably thought didn't think that this was what it was going to be like i agree i agree i I think she definitely thought she was going to be more important, but, and maybe it would have been true that Martina would have had a little bit of say in raising that other baby if it would have lived. There's no fucking way that David gave a shit about this child that he impregnated or thinks he impregnated. No, because he was too obsessed, obsessed with um, Bertie. But this chapter really made me think of The Handmaid's Tale. She was literally just a breeding cow for them. Mm-hmm. That ends that chapter. Thank God we didn't have to go on about that. We're in chapter 57 with Lucy. She's with her brother, Henry. They're just going back and forth about who left who back then. Wait, before we get to that, at the end of chapter 56, in uh, on the page 284, because of what they did to the sister by taking the baby away and not letting her have it, the kids kind of came back together. Because at the time when... Lucy was pregnant. She was obsessed with David, and now she's back to their final act of cruelty, they say. Yeah. And I feel like it's also important to note that it's not just like the kids versus the adults. It's like Henry, Clemency, and now Lucy against Bertie and David. And Finn is there as a separate entity, and yeah. Henry's parents are also there as a separate entity. They just sit and look out the window all day. Yeah. Exactly. So we get to chapter 57 with Lucy and Henry. They're arguing over who left who back then. Eventually they decided to just move on and she introduces the kids to Henry. And of course, Marco's like, what's the deal with the baby? Lucy's kind of like, we'll meet the baby eventually. That's we're all here to meet the baby. And Henry's like, well, I've already met her. She was here at the house. Then he says... She's right now with their old friend Clemency. Mm. And we find out that he knows for sure that she's visiting Clemency because not only is he tracking her fucking location, but he's also recording her. Like, I feel like Lisa never closes the loop on this, and I feel like he's still tracking her at the end of the book. That's what I feel, too. He's got such a good listening device going on for this that they can literally, like, hear word for word what's going on. He's a psycho. A fucking psycho. So creepy. 
So that leads us right into chapter 58. We're back with Clemency and Libby. Clemency kind of asked Miller to leave so they could have some privacy. And he, she's telling Libby what happened. They had basically like made a plan to take the baby and run. Um, and they decided that the perfect time to do this was on Bertie's 30th birthday party. Of course, Bertie gets a party. I'm sure nobody else in the house got a party. It's not confirmed in the book, but I have suspicions. Oh, I believe it. Lucy and Clemency learn a special piece of fiddle for her. Finn was not involved because he's so sick he can barely move. Henry's going to cook for everyone because that's what he does, you know? Bertie and David are, like, glowing with health once again. It's just, like, so obvious that they are just sucking the energy and vitality out of this house. Mm. And, ugh. And I also wonder, like, does that mean that Martina and Henry Sr. are skin and bones, too? Or are they also getting part of the food? Probably not. I assume they're skin and bones. And I assume that the only reason that Birdie and David are like more healthy looking than all the others. I think they're probably eating all of their meals with everybody at the dinner table and then going back to their room and eating their forbidden snacks in there. And that's why they look more healthy. That's what I think too. David is like high on life in this paragraph, probably on other stuff. They've got all kinds of stuff in their room. He just feels so generous because he allowed his woman a party and Henry's is getting the vibe that he's just like, look how I can do whatever I want and people still love me or something. Ugh, it's gross. Actually, it's Clemency Clemency getting this vibe. Sorry, I forgot Clemency is telling us this story now. She's obviously having a hard time, but she keeps pressing on and starts talking about this speech that David gave. And he literally calls Bertie the mother of his child. I assume this is the baby. What the fuck? Mm. And then... About 20 minutes into the dinner, Henry has, like, served everybody like a little waiter so he could give poison to the grown-ups. He's giving his stupefaction poison to all of the grown-ups so that the kids can take the baby and run. That's their plan. It's not a very good one. They don't have any, like, backup plans if things go wrong. They're 15. What can you expect? Takes 20 minutes for all four adults to go down. And they fucking run to the bedroom. Clemency is talking about how it's shocking how much stuff they have in there, but whatever. They they just grab what they need to, like, go. Warm clothes, you know, shoes. Clemency actually ends up not getting shoes because one pair is too small, one pair is too big. Her feet are just in the middle. Finn shows up, and they decide they can't leave Finn, but he's too weak to, like, get himself together. So, I don't know. Everybody's just screaming. Everyone's shouting. Everybody, like is panicking and then they hear fucking stairs like the stairs steps on the stairs it's birdie she's all disoriented but she figures out that something's going on and lunges for the baby and then henry stabs her with a fucking antler what yeah oh maybe a tusk something they have lots of taxidermied animals with bones out of their face so birdie's she's dead but at this point they don't know if she's dead or not she's just down and bleeding a lot and henry's like shut up shut up and let me think and (laughs) clemency wouldn't even let or henry wouldn't even let clemency check for a heartbeat he like pushed her and i'm like okay little baby david yeah 
That's what I thought too when I read it. I was like, that is just like David. And then there's something else that happens. And I was like, Henry is David. Oh, yeah. He just takes every single play out of David's book. Mm -hmm. Henry ends up running downstairs, comes upstairs, and is like, everyone's dead. All of the adults are dead. He's mumbling something like, such a tiny amount. Not even enough to kill a cat. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Henry, you're fucking around with Belladonna. Okay? (laughs) Like, I I don't know. (laughs) They don't know what to do, obviously. Like, Clemency ends the story here. It's fucking crazy. They end up, like, going out to have a cigarette. She needs to have a smoke before they continue, like, the story. But this is crazy. The kids are panicked. They don't want to call the cops because they feel like they're going to be in trouble for killing four people. And, I mean, they might not get in trouble for Bernie, but, like, the other three... I think Henry would get in trouble for that, regardless of what was going on in the house. I don't think you could poison people. No. That's not self-defense. That was premeditated murder. It was. And one of my notes was why we already know that his dad, like, can't, isn't really functioning. So why did he feel the need to give his dad the poison? Right. Also, I feel like his mom probably would have been, like, opened her eyes at one point. So why not? Why did he have to give it to her, too? I disagree. His mom has been in since the time she set her sights on David. True, true. Her, her 14-year-old daughter has had a baby by David, and she was like, this is chill. She's – I don't think there's any coming back from that. True, yeah. I so feel like she would dad. see something bad happen to David, and she would have been – he would have had to stab her with the tusk. But he could have definitely left his dad. His dad probably would have helped. His, I feel like his dad didn't want to be in this situation anymore either. I don't think so either. <sighs> so I ended this chapter with a ton of questions, like where did – everything go from that bedroom because when Libby got into the house it was completely empty Mm -hmm. how long were the kids in that house with the dead bodies and where's Bertie's body because like we never heard of Bertie's body showing up in any of the story up to this point so I had a lot of questions at the end of that chapter and then now we're to Henry yep Chelsea 1994 he says I know it sounds like it was just a terrible disaster of course it does No, Henry, it sounds like you killed a bunch of people. (laughs) But I guess we could call it a terrible disaster. Honestly, I'm not even mad at him for killing those people. I feel like anybody would have done that. Although I I think the police and the courts probably would have tried to prosecute him over that. But like, they had to do that. There was no other choice. Mm -hmm. There wasn't. They were prisoners. All of those kids were going to die there. They were going to wither away and starve to death. Mm -hmm. Especially because isn't Finn close to 18 at this point? So he would be the only one that would be able to, like, move out, but he can't because they won't let him. Yeah, and we find out that Finn, the reason he's so sick, or at least that's the doctor thinks he's, at least the reason the doctor thinks he's so sick is malnourishment. He's literally, like, withering away and dying, according to a doctor, from malnourishment. So, like, I feel like these kids would have been dead in a few years, if that. Yeah, yeah. Not the baby, though. Henry's just like reflecting on everything. He thinks that if it wasn't for him, they would have all still been there, middle aged skeletons. I think they would have been teenaged skeletons. Yeah. Uh, but he's just kind of talking about how stressed he was. He has four dead bodies to deal with a baby, two teenage girls, and Finn. Fucking Finn. God, he's so David. I know. He locks Finn in his bedroom. 
because it's just going to make things easier and that makes him not have to deal with Finn. And they can literally hear Finn wailing from his room. The girls want to take him out, but Henry's like, no, he has to stay there. He ends up like taking Birdie and hiding her on the roof. And that's where she lives. For a long fucking time, right? I read the rest of this book like wondering if Birdie's corpse was up there. And thankfully she closes the loop on that one, but she was up there for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) A triple suicide, whatever happened here. And they didn't like, they didn't find that other body. I feel like we just need to have cadaver dogs at all like crazy possible murder scenes. Yeah. Although would they even find that maybe from the inside? Do you think they could sniff it through the walls because they couldn't get on Probably. Probably. Apparently it was a real good hiding place though. Nobody found it. And by it, I mean Birdie's corpse. He just shoves it into a guttering and fills it with dead leaves. He says he rammed her in there. Ugh. He made the girls help, it sounds like. And then after that, uh, they go downstairs. He's just staring at the bodies and starts coming up with this cover story. He said they already look like members of a cult. Mm -hmm. Anybody would believe that they had just done a suicide pack and killed themselves. Him and the girl start cleaning up, um, getting rid of any like party things, making it look like it was a very serious Last Supper. I just feel like this at this point, I was like, there is no fucking way this Henry is letting Libby keep that house. Yeah. So I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop for him to take her cut of the house from her. Uh, They ended up finding 7,000 pounds in David's stash. It was a little bit more than the the 1,000 that uh, Henry originally estimated. And they divide it four ways. Finn even gets a share, even though uh, he's locked in his room. They found some jewelry, which they take, of course. Then they go out and, like, throw all the other stuff out in the river. Anything that won't look like this is a cult. Any whiskey bottles. Basically clean up the room. Henry's feeling victorious. He's like, smell that. Feel that. We did it. We really did it. And Clemency is, like, crying. She's not feeling okay. And... Henry's like, thank God we had serenity. Otherwise, we would have never been able to do this. And Clemency takes the fuck off. She's not wearing any shoes, just socks. And they basically never see her again. Henry chases after her. Yeah, Henry totally pulls a fucking David. He was going to tackle her ass in the street, but then he realizes there's witnesses, and he's like, I better not. God, such a David. Such a David. It's disgusting. But that ends that chapter. Clemency is gone. We pick up in chapter 60 with Libby and Clemency's talking about her escape. She basically like went to a hospital, but like didn't know what to say and just like hung out in their waiting room until the morning. Then she like, she had her money. So she went and she said she washes in the toilets. And at first I was like the toilets, but they must just call toilets bathrooms. They must just call bathrooms toilets because I was like, not in the toilet. Because that's what I thought too. I was like, ew. Not even a sink? I know. There was probably a sink. They probably just call bathrooms toilets, right? That's got to be it. Yeah. (laughs) So she goes to a shoe shop. She gets some shoes. She also gets a ticket for a train. And she just goes to find her mom. She has no idea where she is, but somehow figures it out. Miraculous, honestly. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't tell her mom what actually happens. She tells her mom the cover story that Henry and Lucy and her had come up with that they had killed themselves, basically. 
mentions that Lucy and her were inseparable as close as real sisters up until she got pregnant. And Libby's like, Lucy got pregnant? What? Lucy? Lucy. Someone says, like, did you not know that? Because, <laughs> like, Clemency's like, those are your parents, obviously. And this is where Libby finds out that Lucy was her mom. Obviously, she's like, who is my father? She finds out that her dad is probably David. Although Lucy says it was consensual, even though she was so young, it's still legally rape. Yeah. This is Clemency's dad. I actually, I feel like I kind of forgot to register that when she ran off and was sad after everybody was dead, but that was her dad. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense that she was upset about it. Clemency's like, he's really charismatic. He had a way of making you feel special. I hated him for it. And I hated her. And Libby, I mean, I, I just imagine she has like a rock in her stomach from hearing all of this. But then she gets a message with a picture of Henry, Lucy, the kids, and the dogs. And it says, we're waiting for you. Come back. And I'm like, are they in the house? Like, they both broke in and they're waiting for her in the house? Mm, yeah. That would creep me out, man. I can't believe Libby's like so glad she found family at the end of this. I God, especially with that, I've like the timing was well, we know why the timing was impeccable because he was listening in on the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But if I were her, I would have been weirded out. <sighs> yeah, the timing of that. I hadn't even thought about the timing and him listening in, but you're completely right. He he waited until the exact moment he wanted to interrupt. Libby looks at the picture and she's like, that's her. That's Lucy. And she thinks she's beautiful. Of course, she probably looks like her. She goes back to the house. It takes her five hours because they're all the way in like a different town. And when she gets there, she's a little nervous to like let herself in. And I'm like, why? They let themselves in and they don't even have a fucking key. (laughs) But I guess I guess that would be weird because Henry and Lucy actually lived there. Yeah. Anyway, she called them. Yes, she calls them because she's, like, nervous to let herself in. She thinks it feels awkward. And her and Lucy talk on the phone for the first time. And it seems like that ends that chapter and they open the next chapter with Lucy putting the phone down and staring at Henry and they go to the front door. She's just checking out what her daughter looks like. And she says Serenity. And Libby says, or Libby for my day job. And Lucy says, Libby, of course, you're Libby. Come on in. And I've been wondering that, like, is she going to change her name? Because I don't know if I would. I don't think I would. Yeah, you've been Libby for 25 years. Right, exactly. Like, that's like getting a dog, rehoming a dog, and then changing their name. You know, that's crazy. It's it's not even like that. People really do this. Adopt kids that are, like, older and change their names. They can remember a time when they had a different name. That's wild to me. I don't think I would ever do that. No. This is definitely different because Lucy gave her the name Serenity, but she left her. Mm -hmm. I understand the circumstances were bad, but she still left. To be fair, she did go back. Yeah. Once she finally could after all the shitty things in her life. But didn't she go back after her and Finn left to go to the doctors? And then when she went back, the baby was gone. Yeah, and she couldn't go to the cop's then and be like well that's my daughter and explain yeah. what happened because they had already given the cover story so she decided to just wait marco stella they're really excited that they have a new sister and libby seems happy she's like hugging them it's cute it's a cute scene yeah and i love that marco was like i knew that was your baby yeah 
he's he's been on to you this whole time lucy you are not sneaky not sneaky at all <laughs> so that we're in chelsea 1994 chapter 62 and we're back with henry and like this is just feeling more and more like henry is penning a letter to serenity mm-hmm. i'm not completely heartless serenity i promise he's just talking about how he looked at her when she was a baby and she didn't look much like Lucy. She didn't look anything like David Thompson. She looked just like her dad. <laughs> so Finn is the dad. I'm the pappy. That's that's Finn's line. Oh my gosh, I just feel so bad for him. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't even really feel bad for him because he's like it, it was never him for Finn and if he would have just like asked he probably would have figured that out but instead he decided to just like be a little weirdo about everything but anyways and I also feel like with him being in like such isolation he had to find something to obsess over and it Mm -hmm. just happened to be Finn Henry's fucking pissed he goes in and ties Finn to the radiator Lucy was sleeping with David and Finn at the same time so she basically well of course she would have had to been sleeping with David they wouldn't have been convinced that it was his baby otherwise they're dumb but not that dumb i'd hope true yeah so she says that the sleeping with finn is like a comfort thing but that confused me because like if she needed a comfort thing from the trauma that was going on with david why would she say that she wanted to sleep with david yeah so i don't really know what was going on i don't know why lucy was sleeping with both of these guys but she was and finn is the father of libby I feel bad for Lucy. Like, I just feel like every single baby she's had has been under such stressful circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I feel like because of the way she grew up, she probably doesn't have a healthy idea of what a good, like, sexual relationship is. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like people who have trauma in their background are the prey that people like Michael look for. I feel bad for her. I just feel bad for everyone. I, I feel bad for Henry, but I it, begrudgingly so. Because of this shit. He, he ties Finn up and then he starts calling Lucy a whore. Yeah, and we only find out that um, it's Finn's kid because he's telling Lucy that they can go to the police and say she was sexually abused and they can do a DNA test, prove it's David, and then that's what she's like, it's Finn's. Yeah, because he was thinking they could get out of the charges of murder because of the statutory rape and all the other stuff and then he says you are a slut a dirty dirty slut is he mad at her for being a slut or is he mad at her for getting what he wanted he's mad at her for getting what he wanted so he's like i wanted to kill someone and this time i wanted to do it on purpose i went to finn's room lucy tried to stop me i pushed her away from me like he's going to kill finn and finn is tied to a fucking radiator all because of jealousy all because of jealousy and finn's like i'm not telling you anything until you untie me and henry kind of spins this story saying that he just looked at finn and he looks so pitiful like he's dying that he takes he unties him and lays on the bed with him until he falls asleep. Ugh. It sounds so sweet. He says, I'm, I'm so sorry for letting your dad think you pushed me into the thomes, tomes, however you pronounce it. I'm sorry for trying to kiss you. I'm sorry for being annoying. I fucking doubt that apology occurred. I doubt it occurred, too. Henry, Henry doesn't know. He's a narcissist. Mm-hmm. He can't hold himself accountable. 
he thinks he's been the victim of this whole thing. And he has been one of the victims. But quite frankly, he hasn't even been the most victimized of all these people. No. He's gotten probably the best treatment. Right, exactly. Nobody's interested in doing shit to him. Except starving him to death and denying him an education. Like, his life is bad, but, like, nobody else turned into a murdering psycho. I just, I don't understand how some people can move on from trauma and, like, be normal people. And some people are, like, psychos. Yeah. It's wild. But Henry ends up falling asleep here, cuddling with Finn. And he wakes up two hours later and Lucy and Finn are gone. And the baby's still in the crib. And that ends that chapter. And then we're in chapter 63 with Libby. She's just like taking this all in, uh, asking Lucy why she left her. And Lucy tells her she didn't. She took Finn to a house of a doctor that she knew. And they kind of just got stuck there for a while. Like the doctor realized that they were like really sickly and going through a bad situation. Libby or Lucy didn't want to give him any information. She just told him that her parents were gone. He, she kind of reflects on the fact that this doctor was like a doctor for a mafia. So (laughs) he was used to dealing with shady shit and he just like helps these kids out, but he doesn't want to let them go because like they are not healthy. He realizes that, she has a baby and she's only 15 and he seems upset about that. You know, he, he seems like he takes a personal interest in these kids and then getting them to a better place. So he keeps them there for at least long enough for Henry to have called the police and the police to have come and got serenity because by the time she left, everything had happened and social service had already taken the baby. And that's her story. And now Marco knows. (laughs) Yeah, now Marco finally knows the story. Jeez, uh, maybe he can stop screaming at her when she's like having the worst days of her lives, her life to tell him fucking stories that were also the worst days of her life. <laughs> uh. Being a mother sounds so fun. Like you're around the nicest, most generous little beings all the time. <laughs> oh, man. The best part about it, though, is like you teach them how to be the way they are. So everything that comes back. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Lucy, where did Marco get this attitude? Where did he learn to scream at people? (laughs) True, true. Probably Michael. Because listen, Sebastian had a really bad attitude with me on Monday. And I said, I don't know where the hell you got this from. Was it good? Was he good at having an attitude? Or did he get it from Orlando? I don't know. (laughs) But I haven't decided yet. I'm still like in shock that he act that way. I they get older, man. And it, it, it just kicks in. What it did he say? Good. He, <laughs> I Does was, he cuss? Every once in a while, but like, he's pretty good at not cussing with how much I cuss. Hmm. Um, but I picked him up and he wanted to listen to his songs because he, Orlando gave him a playlist. And I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> and I was like, no, we're listening to Christmas music. Like, you know, until Christmas, it's only Christmas music. And he like, started screaming about listening to his music and I was like okay now you're really not getting it and then he's like well I want a snack and I said I'm making dinner like every time you eat a snack you don't eat dinner and he screamed about that and then he screamed about wanting candy and I said you're fucking three and a half you're not getting candy so (laughs) and then he barely ate any of his dinner out of protest yeah spite yeah I don't want any of this shit you cooked woman I don't care about your time yeah, so that was fun. Uh, 
only 15 and a half more years of this. I, guess. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But to be fair, he was a sweet little angel yesterday and ate all of his dinner. So just it's the winter solstice right now. Yeah. You know, and like the veil is really thin. There's lots of demons in our world and the people who keep the demons out are taking this is their break time. So yeah. just blame it on that. It's not even him. It's the demons. It's the demons. It's the demons. <laughs> it's even more dangerous out than Halloween, according to the TikTok, TikTok witches. Yeah, to because, the witches. Because I've been seeing that shit too, and it's been scaring me. Uh, me too. And you know what? My dumb ass has been trying to lucid dream lately because. Why? Well, because I saw somebody say that if you're lucid dreaming and you ask them, like, what the time and date is like the facade will fall and you'll find out that you're astral projecting and not dreaming like dreams are actually astral projection i don't plan on asking what time and date it is because you're not supposed to let the dream people know that you know but if i could lose a dream of shit i could go wherever i want can't i then you could be in charge yeah yeah you could anyways so i've been really trying hard to lose a dream And I'm hoping that if I ever actually achieve that, I will be cool enough to not let the dream people know that I'm there. But I've been seeing all these winter solstice videos, too. And I'm like, shit, I better not be going to sleep trying to lucid dream right now. Hell no. You're going to get killed. Somebody will come back with me. Yeah. I don't know if you can get killed, but people can come back with you. Oh, hell no. (laughs) They can kick you out. Anyway, I'll let you know if it happens and if I if I get in there and I get to interact and change my world or not. Just wait till after the winter solstice. Uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I don't remember any dreams from last night and I'm going to go to sleep tonight hoping not to dream. So <laughs> leave me alone, weird solstice deities. I don't want any trouble. <laughs> and also leave Sebastian alone. He's sweet, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we yes. don't need this attitude. We're just trying to get through the holiday season. Exactly. <laughs> so... We're in chapter 64 with Henry, and he's like, I was the one who looked after you, Serenity. I stayed behind and gave you mashed up bananas. Uh, It's funny. But eventually he left the house. He couldn't just stay there. The bodies are starting to stink. People are going to notice, you know. So he, like, writes a note, like, asking for Serenity to be left with the nice people. The note that we saw earlier in the book gives her the rabbit's foot because... It wasn't lucky when he had it, but maybe it will uh, be lucky for her. <laughs> I feel like technically it was lucky for him. Because he yeah, could have been he like didn't thin. die. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll find out later why he could not have been like Finn, but. True. So he leaves the house. He's got an old suit from his dad's. He's got some shoes. He goes to a telephone box and calls the police gives them a fake voice so i guess back when we were talking about whether or not the neighbor who called was a woman or not it wasn't it was henry (laughs) (laughs) and he goes and is he getting a hotel room for a few nights and this is the first time he used finn's name he says he's phineas thompson but thompson with an o and not an e because he almost wanted to be finn but not completely Oh, you fucking psycho. It's so weird, right? And, like, I mean, I get using an alias, but, like, why Finn? Why are you so obsessed with Finn? This this is the kind of behavior that is not, like, love. It's, like, I'll kill you if I see you with someone else. Yep. He's kind of talking about what happened between 16 and now. He's worked a couple jobs. He's had some shitty relationships. He's had some plastic surgery, some lip filler, some eyelashes. 
because somebody told him that he was ugly. Eventually, he goes and talks to the solicitors about the house. He wants to know who ended up getting it, if it was going to go to him or David's family, I guess, maybe. But he's no longer Henry Lamb, so he can't claim the house. He's also thinking about the fact that um, he knew at that point, years before Libby turned 15, that since the will says it's going to pass to the descendants of Henry and Martina Lamb on their 25th birthday, that it would go to the baby because he knows it's Finn and Lucy's baby, but they never did any DNA testing on the baby. They just took the word from the note and that's her identity now. So he had to just wait. He uh, got all of this information like in a really fucking shady way though, didn't he? He did. Because the solicitor, the solicitor is like a person bound by the law. They're not just going to give you document documents on their paying customers. So he had to like <laughs> convince this guy that he was into him. Like it looks like he was dating him for like weeks, and finally got this kid to like give him the information on the house, basically. And then he dumped him. And then he dumped him. Disgusting. He's he's very manipulative. So then he rented the Airbnb the month of her birthday because he knew when that was and he talks about how one morning he went to the back of the house and spent the whole roof dismantling birdie's skeleton from its mummified casing pulling apart her tiny little bones and dropping them into a plastic bag and he dropped that in the river he said it was surprisingly small it was up there for a long fucking time 25 years disgusting yeah and He's just, he ends this chapter talking about how relieved he was at this point. The baby was back. The one thing that I didn't like is he never, he and Lisa never explained why he rented the Airbnb in Justin's name. Yeah. And I'm just assuming that it's because he doesn't have an actual identity. Okay. Because he became Finn Thompson, but he probably never had paperwork to prove that unless he found some creepers. Yeah. he also wouldn't have had paperwork for Justin either. No. But he couldn't rent it in his real name because he had to toy with Libby. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, the whole way he went about it was so fucking weird. And he definitely drugged them and put trackers on at least Libby's phone. Yeah. So weird. I also want to know what story that he told them that got deleted off the phone. Like, was it the truth? Did he make something completely up? Pagan sacrifice was mentioned. Yeah. Who did a pagan sacrifice? Yeah. So then we're in chapter 65, and we're just learning what happened with Finn, and by extension, Lucy. Libby is asking Lucy about Finn, but um, they were together for a while. They actually ended up illegally immigrating to France, France, as we know. Uh, The doctor actually arranged the whole transport for them. And got them taken over there. And they lived on a farm for a little while. But eventually Finn just woke up one day. Left Lucy a note and took off with no other notice. And um, you kind of learned that Lucy and Finn didn't really have like a spark. They never really pursued a relationship. It was just like a convenience comfort thing while they were in the house. Yeah. A trauma yeah. releaser if that's a thing. And we kind of learned that Lucy has learned how to make money with her fiddle. We learn about 
how she met a man, a very rich man who swept her off her feet. It was Michael. She had a baby and then she met a poor man and had another baby. Of course, Libby's like, why didn't you come find me? And she kind of explains to her, like, the no birth certificate, no pass. Her passport was fake. She had a terrible marriage. She knew that the house would automatically go to the baby. So she just decided to wait until that happened to come back for their reunion. And Lucy doesn't know where Finn went. And that's it. Libby is seems a little content. She finally has a whole picture of her family except for that one piece. And that ends the third part of this book. The fourth part is really just the happy ending. Yeah. You know? It's been a little while, at least a month. Uh, the, the house sold for 7 million pounds. Damn. It's been a year... She's 26 now. It's her 26th birthday. She found out what her real birthday is. She'd been celebrating it almost a week late, but that's what happens when you're born in a house with no medical anyone or no anything. The house sold, this is weird, the house sold to a cash buyer out of South Africa. There had been like a bunch of stuff back and forth and different buyers interested, and then these people came in. So that's weird. Yeah. We'll never talk about that again, but maybe it's in the next book. Could it be Henry? I I had that thought in my head too. Or what if it's Finn? Oh yeah. Random. That would be random. But they decided to split the earnings from the house three ways. So she's just like checking her bank account every like two seconds, waiting for that number to hit her account. Right now she's only got a few hundred, but she's like, Dito, let's go to lunch. We'll have sandwiches if I'm broke and lobsters if I'm rich. And she also gets a text around this time from Lucy saying, see you later. We're booked for eight. And we learned it's that her Hen- last day at her job. Yeah, she's quitting her job, which, you know, she kind of said she wouldn't do at the beginning. But so many things have changed for her. Yes. Henry and Lucy have been living together and they are not enjoying it. It's pretty funny. At this point, my note on page 326 is Henry did something so he could keep the money. That's why he had to say it was never about the money. Because in, like, the last chapter, he had mentioned a couple times it was about seeing Libby and not about the money, you know? Mm -hmm. They just go to lunch. They're chatting. And eventually, by 328, the money comes through. I'm happy for her. I am, too. Imagine seeing that much money in your bank account. She... Sees the money in her bank account and Dito's like, you should just quit. Why go back to work for three more hours? And she's like, no, I'm going to finish my work. Like, I don't know. I, I imagine that if I saw that money in my bank account, I'd be like, bye, bitch. If I, I knew would the, too. If I knew the transaction was coming that day, I wouldn't have gone that day. No. <laughs> but uh, she's a better worker than I am, I guess. She likes her job and she likes her boss. And that's the difference between having a job that you like and a boss that you like and not. I guess you don't want to leave them hanging. True that. Take note, yeah. employers. Exactly. That ends that chapter. We are in chapter 67 with Lucy. She's just uh, getting ready, thinking about how things are, and it seems good. Like, Marco's in a school that is a nice private school. He says he identifies as a, as a Londoner. Sounds like a very teenage thing to say. Yep. Stella has some friends that have the same name, Freya. By the way, I was just thinking when I read this Freya is a popular name now and is it because of the vampire diaries I don't know because my friend said that she was reading a book and the name Freya was in the book and it was like a fantasy book and that if she ever had a daughter she would name her daughter Freya and this was like years ago it is an old-timey like maybe she was a goddess or something 
Maybe. Let's see. Freya in mythology. And then I met someone out here whose daughter's name is Freya, and he was, like, into witch – he's into witches and stuff, like witchcraft and that stuff. She's a Norse goddess. But, yeah, she definitely – like, it is an old-timey name, and I felt like the Vampire Diary series brought it back to the forefront of everybody's mind. I mean, it probably could have. So we find out here that Lucy was never a suspect in Michael's murder at all. She was kind of stressed about it for a bit, but a newspaper article came out saying the cops never – considered her while she'll never truly relax about that she feels a little bit better then she finds out that the money hit her account too and she's just feeling hopeful she's texting libby uh i think she sends a nice long message to giuseppe it's really sweet just saying that she's happy and healthy and well and she's never going to go back to france and she just thanks him so much for everything that he did for her yep and then we go to chapter 68 and they're at dinner the whole family, it's Lucy, Henry, Libby, Marco, Stella, and they're celebrating Libby's birthday. This is the first time she's ever celebrated her birthday with, like, her family, you know? Well, she had an adoptive family, but... I wonder if she still talks to her adoptive mom. I was wondering on this page if they ever dug up the cat in the first baby that they buried in the backyard, because if not, I hope that the new owners never go to, like, build a pool or anything back there. Yeah. Um, because if they find that fucking baby's corpse, they're calling the cops. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I, like, we never closed the loop on that. Mm-hmm. Henry got Birdie's body out, but he they buried a, bot, a baby back there, and he buried a cat. So, you know, there are corpses yeah. in the yard. And it made me wonder, like, what's buried in the yard of all of the houses that are for sale right now? Ugh. Yeah, just something to think about. Henry never fessed up to stealing the phones. And that makes me think that... He's still tracking and listening to her. Oh, yeah. Because if he never fessed up, then he never took the phone back and never took it off. Yep. So I feel like he's definitely still tracking her. Miller shows up and they're a couple now for sure. She says, despite the fact that Roe double barrels horribly with Jones, and I don't think so. Jones Roe sounds like a law firm. Yeah, it does. That his mother is rather distant, his stomach wobbles, he has too much facial hair, no pets, an ex-wife. There was something that amounted to more than all of that. And what was a tattoo other than a drawing on skin? It's not an ideology, it's a scribble. So anyways, um, they're a couple, it's very cute. And he gives her something, something very fucking awesome. He's found Finn. He's 99% sure he found... 99% sure he found Finn. He is a safari guide. He got her tickets for Finn's safari. Isn't that just the cutest fucking... They've been together, what, eight months at this point? Ah, he's such a good boyfriend. He is. Because then, in the beginning, didn't Finn say that he wanted to be a safari guide? Yeah. Yeah. He really liked his safari instructor. And I remember saying in the last episode that he was probably hot. But maybe Finn just really thought he was cool. I don't know. I bet he was probably hot, too. Probably. But Lucy's excited. That's Finn. He's alive. Look at him. He's alive. And that ends that chapter. And then we go to the last chapter of the book, which is Henry. 69. Yep. Henry in present day. And he's like, he's alive. Finn is alive. He fucking hates Finn. He's like, there's no way that he gives a a shit about Serenity. He didn't care when she was there. And I'm sure he didn't care when Lucy said he acted like he cared. He talks about how he wrote the I am Finn everywhere. 
like silent shouts into corners and nooks and hidden places. And then the final paragraph of 339, he says he was poisoning Finn. It started as a love potion, but then he would get weaker and weaker and Henry would feel stronger and stronger. Like you are a psycho Henry. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that when Henry went to untie Finn, He'd actually told Finn that he's only going to untie him if he let him kiss him. That's coercion. I mean, yeah. it's not rape because it was just a kiss, but it feels so rapey. And, yeah, and I was like, oh, that, that, molestation. I know, exactly. Molestation, at the very least. His hand was still tied on the water pipe. His body almost broken henry's like acknowledging all of this and like finn didn't fight he just let him do it and he said he did it for a long minute and just rubbed his hands all through his hair and all over his body and just did everything he dreamed of doing since the first minute he'd seen finn disgusting disgusting finn's like i have to let you molest me so i can survive and then he untied finn when he'd finally kissed him enough he says and laid him down and laid down next to him like force cuddled with him like no fucking wonder when he woke up Finn was gone no Mm -hmm. fucking wonder Mm -hmm. and the last line of the book is I slap on my best Uncle Henry smile and say room for one more Henry's a fucking psycho what happened in the extra chapter okay so the extra chapter is like not even related to this book Ooh, yeah. Related to the next one. That's what I'm wondering. So Martina, we're at Martina's house with um, her and Henry Senior. It's her 30th birthday, and she's getting ready for the birthday. And she's just talking about how she used to be. She was a punk princess. Um, She was engaged before she met Henry. Uh, Her fiance before was 15 years older than her. And Henry is 10 years older than her. And she just started talking about how she loved being a mom and how kids made her feel young and she wanted to have another kid. And Henry Sr. didn't have any interest in having sex with her. He would say things like, wow, you're still into that. So she's just still getting ready for her party in the garden. And Henry was like, your people are here so like her caterers and she's like he always says that when it's my stuff but he'll keep them separate he pays for everything but they're her people um he she says that henry draws fat and movable lines between his world and her world his world is club shoe clubs shoots bars money his house his tailor and then everything else belongs to martina the kitchen the friends the garden the laundry the party the children and so she's just basically telling him to let them get ready while she's getting ready and she looks at herself in the mirror and she's just not really feeling it so then while I'm reading this, I'm like, this is why the stuff with David makes sense. Exactly. She needed somebody to come in and fill some void that, unfortunately, she should have been able to fill herself. But she was feeling sad. Her husband was distant because he's a rich, distant man. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she was – David probably could see from a mile away that she was exactly the type of victim that he likes. Yeah. So what I thought was funny was when Martina first met Henry, uh, she was not interested in him at all. 
Mm -hmm. He was really interested in her. So he really tried to court her um, until he went to go buy the house. He's like, I'm buying this big house. Let me show you. It's a mansion with eight bedrooms on the whatever river that is the back streets of Chelsea. So that's when she kind of was like, okay, let's do this. And then they moved into the house and the house became Henry's. He decorated it the way that he wanted to. And he did what he wanted to. She was only allowed to decorate it in his taste even though she didn't like it and named, she named all the dead animals. And then when her kids went to school, that's when she started the PR company. And then she found out that Henry was paying for it. Like she wasn't getting clientele. Buying her business for her basically. Yeah. So that's when she was like, it, it's a that's joke. so disrespectful. Oh my gosh. Let her sink or swim on her own. Yeah. So that's when she quit doing that. That would just feel like he does not believe that you are able to do that, you know. He has no faith in you. No faith whatsoever. And then they have the crib that's still uh, Henry Jr.'s crib, which ended up being Serenity's crib, that's in the room. And Henry Sr. didn't believe in having the kids sleep in the room. He said that they should sleep in a crib in their own room. But she put up a fight to keep them in there. And then Henry Sr. wanted to get rid of the crib. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And then she's just, like, thinking about all of this as she's getting ready for her 30th birthday. And she just – all she wants to do is make her children proud. So she looks at herself again and then goes down for her party. I mean, you can definitely see how her state of mind led to the relationships that led to the fucking cult. Yeah. And, I mean, you can – it's easy to believe that that's what happened because at the beginning of the book, Henry's talking about his dad and how he was like a collector and his mom was just another thing that he collected. Yeah. I remember that. Her, him talking about how pretty she was. That was all he cared about. He just needed this pretty thing to be in his house to complete the look. And we never really heard about how empty she felt. Yeah. Until that chapter. Yeah. She was just waiting for David to come fill her up. So there are some questions in the back. Okay, the so, first one. The book is told in three perspectives. Henry, Lucy, Libby. Was there one c- character that you, that's point of view you enjoyed more? What is I, the effect of having Henry's sections told in first person versus Lucy's and Libby's? And why do you think Lisa Jewell structured her novel this way? I loved Henry's point of view. I feel like I've said it a lot of times that he was my favorite character to listen like. To read, it is probably because it was first person. I hadn't even noticed that. Although I feel like I did say a couple times it felt like Henry was writing this letter to Serenity. But I think Lisa wrote it that way specifically so that Henry could say his piece so you could get inside the mind of the narcissist. You know? Yeah. What do you think? That's what I think too. Because, and I also feel like Henry had more to talk about. Well, I don't know because I would have liked to hear Lucy her struggles right it's not because thought right and that's why henry's was so much more enjoyable to read because we got so much detail and insight into him and when we figured out anything about lucy or libby or anybody else we had to just read about what was going on around them and how they reacted externally man i didn't even realize that they were in different points of view i feel dumb (laughs) but now it's very (laughs) obvious all right question three there are many intriguing characters who do not directly narrate the novel. Is there a character whose point of view you'd like to have seen included? What do you think Martina, for example, 
thought about David and Bernie's choices. Well, I feel like we didn't really need their point of view because whenever, if we had questions about it, Henry had already asked and he put it in his, his point of view. Yeah. He did really good at getting to the meat of everything, didn't he? Yeah. I think, I mean, I always love getting all of the different points of view and getting all of the info, but she told the story she needed to tell from the points of view she needed to tell. I don't think I needed to feel worse for the people I felt worse for. I think that's what would have effectively happened if we, like, got to know Martina anymore. That one chapter you just told me about made me feel bad. Yeah. And I feel like that explains a lot. I would have actually kind of liked to hear David's thinking. Really? Well, I mean, Henry's assuming that he's in it for the house, but what if he just enjoyed, like, having the power? And if he lost the house, he was just going to go on to the next house. Oh, yeah. You know? I just, like, and, like, was that really his intention from the jump, or was he homeless and really, like, then realized that he had this ample opportunity to, like, seize all of this stuff around him? Because, like, obviously, he always had the potential, but if Henry's dad had been different, would he have acted different? Was he, like, waiting to see if anybody was going to push back? Because it took a couple years before he really enforced his will on everybody and started sleeping with Bertie. That's true. He was, I assume, faithful to his wife at least for a little while before that. Yeah, maybe, like, two chapters or something. Yeah. About his thought process. Or what his end game was with the fucking children. Yeah. That would have been nice to know. That would have been nice to know, too. Because as far as we know, if they wouldn't have escaped, they would have died. Mm-hmm. Starved to death, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So question seven. What types of power are wielded in this novel? Who has power? Who loses it? And who wants it? Is there a character without any agency? That's a good question. Well, I think the characters that have power are David and Henry. For sure. Oh, and I guess Michael, too, if you go back and think about the side characters. Yeah, and all of the men who are powerful wield it in a really misogynistic, disgusting way. But Libby House power, too, even though she doesn't really realize it. Like, she has the power to not give these people any of their inheritance, to keep the house and to lock them out. Libby's the one who has the power to decide if the family's going to come back together or not, because they're all coming back together around her. I didn't even think about Libby's power because I feel like it wasn't really like thrown into my face the way David's and Henry's was. Yeah. And that's the difference between people who have like true power like Libby did and people who need to enforce their power upon people to feel powerful, which is what Michael, David, and quite frankly, Henry are. You know, who didn't have any agency? I feel like all of the kids in the house. Yeah. A lot of people didn't have any agency. I feel like even Lucy for a lot of her adult life. That's a good question. That one is really good. Question 11. Libby finds many disconcerting traces of the house's previous inhabitants when she tours it. Which artifacts did you find the eeriest? Which intrigued you and made you want to find out what had happened inside the house? The eeriest is I am Finn, even though it was explained. It's, I think that's even creepier. For sure. I agree. And do you remember the chapter when it was talking about like all the places he'd written it, like underneath the bathtub and he's talking about like him going and doing it, like secret shouts. Like it was very eerie. Like a weirdo. I don't, I don't know what I would say made me want to learn more. The I am Finn definitely put me on to 
Henry's fake ass, though. Yeah. That was a good book. I liked it. I feel like she gave me just enough clues to know what was going to happen next um, and feel like I solved it without making me feel like anybody could have solved it. (laughs) Yeah. And I like that it wasn't like as guessable, I guess. So I'm like looking at the description of the family remains. It's it's obviously like they found Michael's body and they have found some other body bones connected to a cold case which I'm assuming is Birdie. That's what I think too. Yeah, it seems really interesting, but I wonder if we're even going to get any of the same point of views. It does also mention that Lucy's brother has left to find the boy from their past. So maybe Henry will be in it, but it says it's standalone. So we don't even have to read it. Well, I think I want to read it, but I don't, I just don't know when I would. That might be like how you read the second book of um, that scary book we read for this year. The Library of the Dead. Yeah, where you just did audio. I think I might just do it audio. They definitely have it on audiobook. I bet it's really good. I haven't listened to very many suspense novels on audiobook. Just the, what was it? The Something and the Wren. Man, yeah. man, I was having, I like to put the audiobook in the, in my, like, I like to listen to them when I'm working out in the morning. And normally I just like have all the lights off still, just like one lamp on, keeping the vibe, you know, chill, whatever. I don't want to make working out harder than it has to be. But I was listening to that shit in my ear. When it's dark outside, it's dark in the house. Oh God, it was so scary. I literally had to like lock the dogs in the room with me in case somebody got in. I had defense there ready to go. Yeah, that's creepy. (laughs) I feel like this would probably be a creepy one to listen to too, but I bet it would be good. I love audiobooks. I can't wait till you get into them. (laughs) I listened to 967 hours of audiobooks this year since May. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I did the math. Oh my gosh. It was a lot. Our next book is actually going to be Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Something that's a little lighter, maybe. I'm pretty excited. He's got pictures in it. So even if the content's not light, you're going to see young shirtless Matthew a few times. Perfect. That's what I need. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Do you want me to read you the description? Yes, because I do not have the book on hand yet. I can't wait for you to get it. I really enjoy it. It's like a hardcover and it has like the paper like cover on top of it, but it's not the length of the whole book. So when you're holding it, you don't feel like you're messing up the edges, which I really like. Perfect. Yeah. So it says, I've been in this life for 50 years, trying to work out its riddle for 42 and been keeping diaries of clues to that riddle for at least the last 35. Notes about successes and failures, joys and sorrows, things that made me marvel and things that made me laugh out loud how to be fair, how to have less stress, how to have fun, how to hurt people less, how to get hurt less, how to be a good man, how to have meaning in life, how to be more me. Recently, I worked up the courage to sit down with those diaries. I found stories I experienced, lessons I learned and forgot, poems, prayers, prescriptions, beliefs about what matters, and a whole bunch of bumper stickers. I found a reliable theme an approach to living that gave me more satisfaction at the time and still. If you know how and when to deal with life's challenges, how to get relative with the inevitable, you can enjoy a state of success I call catching green lights. So I took a one-way ticket to the desert and wrote What You Hold Now, an album, a record, a story of my life so far. This is 50 years of my sights and scenes, felts and figured outs, pools and shamefuls, Graces, truths, and beauties of brutality. 
getting away with getting caughts and getting wets while trying to dance between the raindrops. Hopefully it's medicine that tastes good, a couple of aspirin instead of the infirmary, a spaceship to Mars without needing your pilot's license, going to church without having to be born again, and laughing through the tears. It's a love letter to life. It's also a guide to catching more green lights and to realizing that the yellows and reds eventually turn green too, by design and on purpose. Good luck. Sounds good. It sounds really good. The I thing like- that caught my eye was 50 years, and I was like, there's no way he's that old, but he's 53. Yes, he is. He he sure is. It's surprising, but man, he is. And he used to just be a little rom-com boy. Matt and I talk about this all the time, like Ryan Reynolds, Matthew McConaughey, they like broke out of rom-coms. And what you got to do is you got to be cool enough to also get a male fan base. Yes. All right, all right, all right. Exactly. So I can't decide where we should start. stop reading. It's 290 pages long, but it's broken down into like eight chapters. And like the first four go into page 174. We can read till 174. Okay. And that will give us like a good stopping place, right? Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Okay. So we're going to read the first four parts up to page 174. And then we'll talk about it in two weeks. Mm-hmm. 